0: Hello everyone, Charles Watts here, welcome to another edition of Inside Arsenal, the first edition of Inside Arsenal for 2024. I do hope wherever you're watching or listening to this around the world you had a good fun New Year's Eve (laughs) or as much fun as you could have after what happened at Craven Cottage yesterday and I wish you all the best for a very successful, happy, joyous 2024 because let's face it, after the way 2023 ended last night for Arsenal, we can all just hopefully, fingers crossed, there's only one way to go, basically, because it can't get much worse than what we saw yesterday at Craven Cottage. Arsenal ending 2023 on a very, very dismal note, unfortunately. So, this is going to be a quite downbeat first episode of 2024, but we've got to go over it. We've got to assess it, um, look at what went wrong, look at what's next, I'd say, for Mikel Arteta, because he's got some big, a lot of thinking to do over the next few weeks. It's three weeks now into Arsenal's next Premier League game. I think what happens between now and then, what Mikel Arteta decides, what he comes up with, what he works on, what potentially Arsenal could do in a transfer market, is all going to be so, so important to how things go from this point onwards for Arsenal. Because as he said in the aftermath of yesterday's defeat, it just feels right now that this is the time for a bit of a reset because the last couple of games have certainly raised a lot of questions about where Arsenal are heading into the second half season. So we'll go over all of that in today's show, go over yesterday's game, look at um, the injury to Alexander Zinchenko. He's set for a scan today. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Got some questions and comments from you guys as well, who wanted to get involved. I'll go over my player ratings from yesterday as well. I did did do the video from Craven Cottage yesterday, but if you haven't seen it yet, I'll rattle through them. A little bit later on in the show but we'll start with what was just a really really disappointing defeat at at Craven Cottage last night it wasn't just a defeat it was a performance you know and I spoke about this after the game Mikel Arteta admitted it he said it was the worst performance of the season and it was there was absolutely no doubt about it it was an awful lot wrong it was a really worrying worrying day I thought I came away from the West Ham game on Thursday night or whatever it was I've lost track of all the days but the West Ham game frustrated disappointed but it did feel like (sighs) it was kind of one of those days that can happen sometimes you know the way that that game panned out the way Arsenal played wasn't great but the way they dominated the game the chances they created the amount of ball they had in and around the penalty area against West Ham and the lack of opportunities West Ham had You know, nine times out of 10 or eight times out of 10, if you play that game and it goes in the exact same way in terms of the patterns of play, Arsenal win that match. So as frustrated as I was, I wasn't overly worried about where Arsenal are. It just felt a little bit like one of those games. But yesterday, that was worrying because that was a really dreadful, dreadful performance. There's no other way of painting it, really, it was just really, really poor. And was, what made it even worse was it was such a good start. You know, scoring after five minutes, is not, you know, Arsenal haven't made a habit of scoring early goals this season. So to do that yesterday, put themselves in a really good position and then just totally regress and just play this really, Just drab, dismal, slow, ponderous football that allowed Fulham to just get confidence, to grow into the game, to get the equaliser and then really, really push on. And Fulham absolutely deserved their win. They were a better team by an absolute distance. And it was something, you know, Mikel Arteta didn't dress it up afterwards. He admitted it. Um, And it was just a really... It was a really, I think worrying is just a word I keep going back to because it was a worrying display. I haven't seen Arsenal play like that or perform like that. Yes, they've not been at their thrilling best this season. They haven't played, you know, some of that sort of free-flowing football that we saw last season. But they were, they've been a very good team this season in terms of getting results and getting performances, dominating games. But it was none of that yesterday. The defence was poor. The midfield was poor. The attack was non-existent. It's just from... Front to back. It was just a really disappointing performance. I mean, the stats here again from canonstats.com. Please do check out his website and sign up to his newsletter. Fantastic analysis after every single game if you want to get involved with that. And you can see Arsenal, yeah, they shaded the XG 1.4 to 1.2, but, you know, filling with a better team. There was no doubt about it. You know, Arsenal had one really big opportunity, I think, in this game, or two other than the goal. They had two big opportunities in the game, and that was the Martinelli shot, which he rolled wide in the first half, which was Fairly difficult because the defender was in front of him, but then obviously he had the big chance with Saka to make it two-two immediately after Fulham had scored um, to go two-one in front when he put the volley over. But aside from that, they just didn't create anything really. Only had three shots on target, um, and they, they had all the play. I mean, what is it? Sixty percent possession, six hundred and fifty-seven passes completed. But you know, if you if I could if I was able to bring up the sort of passing matrix of where Arsenal passed and it was all that it was that dreaded sort of shoehorn that we all became accustomed to for a couple of seasons really where it was just kind of pass 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 sideways 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 and then when you get into the Fulham half it basically doesn't go anywhere near the penalty area and that's what it was it was just Arsenal had a lot of ball but they did absolutely nothing with it and Fulham were just in complete control and they were so so comfortable and that was That was really concerning for me. I mean, Bernd Leno was basically a spectator. After picking the ball out of his net after five minutes, he thought it was going to be a busy game for Bernd Leno. It was absolutely the opposite. He barely had a thing to do. And Arsenal will be really, really disappointed with that. Mikel speaking after the game, you know, he didn't dress it up. There was no sort of excuses. There was no trying to paint the positives. And we've seen that with Mikel before. in when his team have played, what, we would consider poorly. He'd come out and say, I think we played really well. and But he didn't do any of that yesterday. You know, he he had immediately held his hands up, said painful. That's how I'd sum it up. We had the opportunity to be top of the table after 20 games with a consistency we've shown. We haven't managed to perform well enough to earn the right to win the game. Three days ago, we lost a game that we fully deserved to win. But today was a very different story. We weren't good enough. We simply weren't good enough in ball possession. We gave so many balls away. We didn't have enough rhythm, enough purpose, enough threat. Defensively, we were second best. We couldn't control them directly. It was so easy for them to win that first or second ball and have the opportunity to run. We conceded two goals exactly like we did against West Ham. And if you do that in this league, it becomes really difficult to win. You know, went further, much further. There was other quotes about how Arsenal were too slow with the ball and didn't do enough with it. You know he, he there was no dressing up, dressing up, trying to dress up a really poor performance. He held his hands up. He admitted it was poor, and he had to because there's no other way you could, no other conclusion you could come to watching that game. It was just really, really disappointing, and and it, it just begs the question as to what do Arsenal do now? What does Arteta do now? You know what's next for Arteta? How does he change this? Because you know I don't think you know there's lots of reaction to what happened yesterday all over social media, of course, and everyone's got the right to opinion. But I don't think it's it's not panic stations and Arsenal aren't going to panic. They won't panic. You know, they'll know, you know and you do have to put it into a little bit of perspective as well. You know, if Arsenal had won that game yesterday against Fulham, they'd be sitting top of the table right now, top of the Premier League. So it's not a disaster by any means. You know, they're still in in there. They're in the mix. They would have been top of the table if they'd won yesterday. But The performance will certainly raise alarm bells, I think, because there's so many players who are out of form at the moment, all at the same time. You know, there's lots of talk about have Arsenal been found out. That could well be the case. That you know, I think it is the case that teams know that if you stop Arsenal's wingers, then you've got a good chance of certainly causing Arsenal problems and taking a big part of their threat away. But I don't necessarily buy into the fact they've been thought they've been found out. I just think Arsenal are playing really, really poorly. <laughs> and some of the big players are playing really, really poorly. And up to now they've been getting by because a couple of other players have been playing pretty well. But yesterday everyone played, you know, you know when Declan Rice is playing badly, when William is looking really nervy, then you're you're in a real you're gonna have a real struggle because they're the sort of two linchpin players who always perform or well, we always pull out an eight out of ten, you know, along with Gabriel And it wasn't happening yesterday. And it, when the attack are all off off colour like they are, you know. Martinelli and Saka are so crucial to how Arsenal play and to how Arsenal attack. And when one has been off form in the past, the other one stepped up and produced. But right now, neither of them. Yes, they combined for the goal yesterday. Yes, Saka scored. Yes, Martinelli set it up with his run and shot. But we didn't see that anywhere near enough. And that's something Arsenal need to sort out. And it's like, how do you sort that out? If they're not playing badly, do they have the options? And that's where I say, what's next for Arsenal? What's next for Arteta? This is what he's going to have to sit back and decide. And he said after the game, look, we certainly need a reset after today because that's going to be in our tummy for a few days. The game against West Ham felt very different because you can move on. It can happen. What happened today cannot happen again. If you do that, you're never going to have the chance to be where we want to be today. It could have been a beautiful way to finish the year top of the league. These are the margins and you have to find the balance. It could have been the best day and it can be the worst day because you have lost a game. But we have to look at ourselves in the mirror because today is the worst game of the season we have had. That is for sure. Then he was asked, you know, in the press conference afterwards, is there anything we need to freshen it up or anything you need to freshen it up. And he said, we need to improve. We want to win the games. In order to do that, we have to improve with players so that after 20 league games, we have the chance to be the best in the league with these players. They are really good and we're going to continue to go with them. And that was in a response, you know, you've got the opportunity now over the next four weeks to potentially freshen it up in the transfer window. He says he's going to go with the players that he's got. I mean, there's been lots of talk about Ivan Tony. You know, there was talk about it before the game, immediately after the game. Look at Paul Merson's tweet there. If you're watching us on YouTube, he comes up and said, Arsenal have to go and get Tony. Simple. It's not over the air. I like the way it's simple. Uh, it's not simple. It's anything but simple. It's costing about, probably about £80 million pounds to a team that don't want to sell, who have got no forwards at the moment other than Ivan Tony, who's just about to come back. Arsenal don't have much money um, floating around because of FFP rules. They've already had to say to Brentford, look, we can't pay you for a goalkeeper at the moment. We're going to have to pay you next year. They did that in the summer. So it's going to be very hard for them then to go to them in January and say, actually, although we couldn't pay you for a goalkeeper a few months ago, we're now going to, we've, we've suddenly found £80 million down the back of the sofa. Can we have your star striker when you've got no other forwards? So it's not simple. It's never going to be simple. Um, and so I don't think, I think it's very reactionary just to me to say, oh, sign Tony, sign Tony. It's just, that's what Arsenal are going to have to sort of weigh up over the next few weeks in the transfer windows. What can they do? What room have they got with FFP? How can they improve the squad if they don't have the huge amounts of money to make a big money signing like Tony? And I don't expect Arsenal to sign Ivan Tony this January. I just can't see, and I've said it before, you know, I can't see how they can afford it. I just don't know how they can afford it. And so it just feels like if they are going to sign someone like Tony, that would be something for the summer. I just, I'd be very surprised if you can go out and you can dramatically change this squad with real top quality additions, with big money additions this January. Now, we'll have to wait and see. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that the club can sort of manoeuvre around whatever the FFP restrainments that they are sort of currently trying to work within at the moment, and they can go and slap a load of money down. But I'm not necessarily in the camp, and I've said this before, that a striker, comes in and immediately changes it. So I don't think if Ivan Tony's playing up front for Arsenal yesterday, that immediately makes him win that game against Fulham and it changes the way they play against Fulham. I just think he might have been in and around the penalty area getting very very little service yesterday because that's where Arsenal's issue was. Yes, Nketiah had a bad game, but he got barely any service at all. Tony may well have put himself around more and gone on one more of the balls with his physicality and his quality with his back to goal. And that might have made Arsenal a better team yesterday, perhaps. But I don't think he would have been having chance after chance yesterday because of the build-up play. That was a big issue for Arsenal, the slow build-up play, the fact that the wingers can get into the game and you've got two wingers who are really, really out of form at the moment. If I, if I've, if you're going to sign one player in January and you've got big money, you've got 50 £60 million pounds to sign one player in January, for me, a winger would be uh, the better option. Sign the striker in the summer. I think a goal-scoring winger who can change things, who can give you a different option. Um, because the way Arsenal play is so... It, the wing is so important to that when you've got two players who are off form and you've clearly got players you don't trust to come in and replace them, then that's a big issue for me. And that's why I think if whatever Arteta and Edu, the board are going to be sitting down and talking about today, tomorrow, throughout January, I'd be I'd, I'd say a wing would be at the very top of that priority list to try and improve the attack. But I also think, I've said before, defence is a real issue for me. We've got the Zinchenko injury now. Yes, Tommy Asu came back yesterday, but he's going to be heading off to the Asia Cup. We'll find out how long Zinchenko is going to be out for soon. If that's a long time, then again, you've got real issues at the back. So lots to think about, lots to mull over. We'll see what Arsenal come up with. Get up to 60% off during Burroughs Memorial Day sale at borough.com slash ACAST. That's borough.com slash ACAST. borough.com slash ACAST. So there's the league table. Looking at it now, Arsenal two points off the top, but Liverpool and Manchester City both have a game in hand. Tottenham now just one point behind Arsenal as well. So it's been a real change. It's weird. You sort of go back to after that Liverpool game on the 28th, Oh, no, the twenty third. Sorry, and I felt really good. And that's again why I don't. I, I want to avoid being too reactionary to these two bad results. They're bad results, but these can happen. Teams can lose a couple of games. The best Arsenal teams in the world ever had some bad runs. Um, I remember the two thousand and one, two thousand and two double season in a space of about three games. Around this time of year, Arsenal got beaten 4-2 at home by Charlton and then lost 3-1 at home to Newcastle. And it was all crisis mode then. And then they went on and won the double that season. So it can happen to the very best of teams. It's about how you respond to them and how quickly you respond to them. And um, and so I'm, I'm trying to avoid being too reactionary to it. I'm worried about yesterday's performance, but I don't think it's... Absolute panic stations for Arsenal yet. They've got some really big games coming up. They've got a bit of a break now from the Premier League. You look at there on the right hand side, you'll see that first game that's covered up by the logo if you're watching on YouTube is the Liverpool FA Cup game. That's next Sunday. And then the league matches they've got coming up. You go down to the bottom there, I think they've got 10 league games or nine league games before that trip to Manchester City on March the 30th. They've got Palace, Forest, Liverpool again, West Ham again, Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Brentford at home. Chelsea and then Manchester City. It's going to be a real crucial run of games building up to that match at the Etihad. Arsenal need to make sure they're in a really good position going up to Manchester City. So this is absolutely crucial time of the season for Arsenal. When you look at those games, they've got, you know, the trickiest away games, probably West Ham, you would say, but they've got some big home games against Chelsea, Liverpool and Newcastle. Got a big opportunity over the next couple of months to really sort of bounce back and show what they're about. And that's going to be absolutely crucial. I think these next this this next two months, this is where Arsenal season makes or breaks, basically. Um, and uh, they're going to have to lick their wounds and bounce back very, very quickly. So my player ratings from yesterday, I've gone with David Raya, I gave a six. Um, back four, I had White with a four, Saliba with a five, Gabriel six and Kivior four, Rice's a five, Havertz four, Odegaard six, Saka four, Nketiah three and Martinelli Five, so no standout performances there. I think Arsenal's best player on the day was probably, I thought look, the defence I thought was was poor, but I thought Gabriel sort of stood out, out of the, the the four defenders. Um, the fullbacks really struggled, Kivior and White. Um, I think Odegaard was, he was, he wasn't great or he wasn't even good <laughs> by his standards, but I thought he was the best of the bad bunch in terms of the forwards. And uh, Martinelli, I was surprised Mikel took him off. I didn't think, you know, he, was, he wasn't, he was again, he was not good by any means, but he was the one player who I thought potentially could do something. And to take him off when you need a goal, I was surprised by that. You know, take Eddie Nketiah off, either you could move Martinelli as a striker. I think for me, you could move, you probably should have moved Havertz as a central striker at that point. It wasn't working. Surprised he took Havertz off. You know, it wasn't a good day for Mikel Arteta. I thought his, I thought his team selection in the first place wasn't good. Um, and then the substitutions absolutely didn't work. In fact, it pretty much pretty much made Arsenal worse. And He's made some good substitutions this season. Substitutes have made a big big impact on Arsenal's season. But yesterday, I thought he got it wrong. And to be fair to him, again, he did admit that afterwards that they didn't work. What he what he was trying to do didn't work, and um, it didn't allow Arsenal to really sort of build up any sort of head of steam towards uh, the last sort of third of the game. Before I go on, some of your questions and comments, just on Zinchenko's fitness. So he's going to have a scan today. Mikel admitted that yesterday. It's calf injury that he suffered in training. We don't know yet the full extent of how long he's potentially going to be out for. And I know Zinchenko's been coming in for some real criticism as well, but I thought again yesterday, when he's not in the team, I do think Arsenal miss him. You know, I, I like Kivior. I think Kivior looks like a talented player, but he's clearly a centre-back. He can do a job at left-back, and sometimes he's played better than others. It wasn't a good day for him yesterday, but I do think... He's a decent centre-back. Um, he's just not getting the opportunity to show that because of the form of Gabriel and Saliba at centre-back. But when Zinchenko's not in the team, even when I think, the and I've always said it, the positives for me for Zinchenko do outweigh the negatives. And I think he really does improve Arsenal. He makes Arsenal a better team. And I thought it showed yesterday that he wasn't in the team. Uh and that affected the build-up down the left-hand side. But Mikel said, look, we don't know. He felt something in his calf, so he could not be available. We'll scan him tomorrow and we'll see how far uh, he'll go in these games. So it's three weeks till the next Premier League game. So if you're going to get injured, this is probably the time to do it. Arsenal got the Liverpool match and then they're heading off to Dubai for a week. Um, and then they come back to get ready for Crystal Palace. So we'll wait and see with Zinchenko. But a bit of a concern, especially just as Tommy Asu is about to head over to the Asia Cup. You know, Zinchenko's fitness has been better this season. His injury record has been better. Be a real shame if he picks up this, uh, his first real sort of significant injury of the season now, just as Tomiyasu goes away. So, kind of fingers crossed, waiting on him. Okay, questions and comments from you guys now. Lots of you getting in touch. See, so pretty downbeat comments section in the uh, player ratings video from yesterday. It's uh, no surprise given the performance and the result. Um, here's one from Yevon, a quite a long one. Um, but basically saying, look, I have a feeling that Arsenal have been found out. And this is a lot of people saying this Arsenal being found out. I spoke about it earlier on in the show. And Yevans, one of them says, I really have a feeling Arsenal have been found out. While there may be some truth that our attack is misfiring, I also believe that individually teams have worked out Arsenal's phase of attack. And Arteta, just like last season, doesn't have a plan B. All the people call it out for a new striker? And rightly so. I feel like a new striker can come in and still won't change our fortune. Yesterday, when things became sticky, Arteta had a chance to go up top with Havertz and at least have a target man and a different dimension in attack. But for some reason, he doesn't want to do it. He's reliant on his wide players so much. Everything must go through them. And I believe it's down to the wingers. It's doing the wingers more harm than justice. We have spent in excess of 200 million. And right now, people are calling out for more signings to make us competitive all the good business Mikel has done. He's also made some terrible decisions along the way. He should be held accountable. Just because he's brought the club a long way, he hasn't won anything significant and shouldn't be given a free pass when things are not going well. Well I don't think he's going to be given a free pass when things are not going to go well. He knows for well he's gonna his uh his position is going to come under the spotlight if Arsenal don't perform. He's the first one to admit that. Um I, I agree on the Havertz thing yesterday. I thought the way the game was panning out, the way it just for me, it felt like Havertz should have gone up front for the fi- final 30 minutes, bring on Jesus, take off in Ketia, move Havertz up front, do something like that and have Jesus playing off Havertz. It, you know, it wasn't working what was going on. So try something a little bit different, have a bit more of a target man up front. And taking Havertz off, I just felt, I was surprised. It's like, well, there goes the the opportunity to sling in a few bo- f- few few crosses to the back post in the last 20 minutes and see if he can get, get his head on it. Once he went off, there was no option to do anything like that. And it was it was a bit of a surprise. Um, I also didn't like, you know, he kind of switched to a back three. That didn't work. You had Trossard playing as a wing back almost at times. It's just like, don't do that. Getting more involved in the central areas rather than the wing back. So I don't think it was a good day for Mikel Arteta yesterday. Um, the, the, have Arsenal been found out Some an interesting argument. It was only a couple of weeks ago that I what, I went to the Emirates and I saw Arsenal beat Brighton 2-0 in what I thought was one of the best ever performances under Arteta for Arsenal. I thought they were absolutely brilliant against Brighton. I certainly didn't come away from that game thinking Arsenal had been found out. They then went to Liverpool and produced a really strong performance and drew 1-1 and were top of the table. And that was only a week ago. So I don't... I don't totally buy into the fact that what we've seen over the last two games is just down to the fact that Arsenal have been found out. I think there's much more other factors to that. And I really do think that so many players being off form right now is the key contributing factor to what we saw yesterday. You know, as well as teams might well know how to play against Arsenal. But if your forwards are playing really, really well and you're confident and they're all moving and it's all very fluid, then as much as you want to try and stop them, I think it's very hard to do that. I just think everyone's just off colour, taking an extra touch trying to play a safe pass rather than playing a uh, difficult pass. And I think that's still where I'm at in terms of what's gone wrong for Arsenal over the last couple of weeks. A lot of you have been getting in touch talking about Emil Smith-Rowe and there's one from March in Bolivian says ESR should leave. He is wasting his talent. Very sad situation. I reckon a number of clubs would take him. Patsy says, hey, Charles, ESR could have brought the creativity between the lines today, but he's left on the bench again. I hate to say it as I want a world where he starts every week, but is his time up at Arsenal? Would you let Eddie and ESR go to have Big Ivan Tony come in? Look, I, I again, I I was really I was sitting next to James Bench, who obviously my partner for the Inside Arsenal Extra Time Show yesterday in the press box, and when he made the changes, when you know Trossard came on and everyone came on, and Smith Rowe was just left on the bench when he brought Reese Nelson on and moved Trossard into the number eight role, I was just like, I turned to James, I was like, What's, what does this mean for it, it, Emil Smith Rowe? Now I thought it was crying out again. Mm-hmm. Samuel Smith Rowe yesterday something a little bit different a player who provides something different to everyone else in this Arsenal squad with the way he can get through the line support the attack the way he plays and for him to be sitting on the bench when you're needing the goal yesterday I just find it a real shame and and I am in I'm moving into the territory now they may as well sell him and I don't want him to go because I really like Smith Rowe and you know I do I talk about him all the time I think he can offer so much to this Arsenal team if he plays but if you're not going to throw him on when you need a goal and this is the player who's top scorer a couple of years ago. If you're not going to turn to him when you need a goal and you're going to leave him sitting on the bench, what's the point of having him? Just let him go and play, bring some money in and then bring in a player you do trust. Because if you don't trust these players to bring them on to try and change the game, then there's no point keeping them. You may as well sell them and bring in a player that you do trust, who you are at least going to throw on to try and change the game. So the longer this goes on with Smith Rowe, the longer he's just not getting the opportunities. Like For me, I should think he should have started against West Ham. He didn't. He started Trossard instead in that late date role. And it's just another wasted opportunity to, to give Smith Rowe some minutes to get to get fit and to show that he can, you know, do something and contribute to this Arsenal team. So if you're not going to do that, then you may as well sell him and then bring in someone else who can. And, um, you know, it pains me to say that because I I really like Smith-Rowe, but yeah, that's my thought on this. So thanks for getting in touch. Uh, Here's one from... um, Timino, who says I think the question of whether teams have figured us out is an interesting one at the moment it's hard not to say yes however it does feel like a combination of size working out how to nullify our attacks along with underwhelming performances from key players I think it's all too easy for teams to defend against us every time we push the ball wide usually to Saka teams simply double up on him and Martinelli we have zero threat through the middle with no plan b than our usual passable to the wingers it's too easy for teams now um, he said while i he continues uh, he talks about Um, Odegaard and Havertz, he says, Whilst I need, whilst I think we need a true nine, I don't think that um, going big on that position is going to solve our problems. We're too light elsewhere. Both Martinelli and Saka's form has dropped off without them performing to the level they did last season. We're not going to challenge the title, irrespective of the striker we bring in. Saka needs a rest. Yeah, as I said, I think a winger is really important for Arsenal this. January. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be surprised if it's hap- going to happen because of the money that'd be involved to sign a top quality winger. But that's the area I think that this team desperately needs to invest in if they're going to change things in an attacking sense. Um, here's one from Anne. He said, the most worrying event on the pitch was a bickering between Gabriel and Rice. Frustration levels were off the chart. Desperately needed January break to recharge. Yeah, there was a couple of instances of this. I saw people picking up on this and Martinelli not shaking Smith-Rowe's hand when Smith-Rowe put his hand out to shake it when he came off. But, you know, I don't Martinelli wasn't even looking at Smith-Rowe. He was obviously really disappointed to come off. And I wouldn't read too much into this. They're going to bicker. They're going to be frustrations on the pitch because they're just losing. They, you know, they've got a chance to go top of the Premier League table and they know they've produced a really awful performance. So people are going to be arguing with each other. You know, I don't, there's no, I don't look at it as think there's issues going on behind the pitch or off the pitch or anything like that. I just think it's a team full of players who want to win, who aren't playing well, who have just seen two big opportunities to win and get three points on the board, slit through their fingers, and they've missed out on the opportunity to go top of the Premier League. So, um, I don't think it's too... I I wouldn't say that was the most worrying event for me. I can understand why people have picked up on it, but I think the actual performance was far more worrying than a couple of the players arguing and uh, bickering between themselves that things not going right. All right, that's it from me, everyone. Thank you very much for watching. Apologies for the first video of 2024. First show of 2024 has been a downbeat one, but very hard to be Two positives after two defeats like that that Arsenal suffered. But I'm still going to try and hold on to the positives that Arsenal are still in a good position in the Premier League. They've still got a very good chance in the Champions League. And there's still a hell of a long way for the, of this season left to go. Two defeats does not spell the end of the season it's all about how you respond and hopefully Arsenal respond very well against Liverpool this weekend have the little reset that they need in Dubai and then come back and are ready to go in the Premier League when it gets underway again a little bit later on in the month right that's it from me everyone thank you very much for watching and listening as usual do have a very good New Year's Day happy New Year to you all I'll be back tomorrow to do it all over again speak to you soon bye-bye only from Rustolium